Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On Wednesday, February 26, 2014, in Washington, D.C., eight-year-old Relisha Rudd was seen on surveillance video walking next to a man and into a hotel room. Days later, on Saturday, March 1st, Relisha was seen again on surveillance video with the same exact man. The man that she was with was someone who she was familiar with, and so was her family. In fact, he was a staff member at a local homeless shelter where Relisha and her family lived, D.C. General. This was no abduction, and this was not a kidnapping. So how does something like this go undetected? A wife ends up found lifeless. A search ensues. A mother that was not even aware that her daughter was missing. And a grisly discovery that shocks the district and leaves us to a halt with nearly nine years of unanswered questions. With this unfound mystery, new developments, persons of interest, rumors, and an ending that leaves us with more questions, where is Relisha Rudd? This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is a true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found or on Medium at The Missing Found to read our script. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. We have a Patreon that's in the works, exclusively for our members, to discuss cases deeper beyond our case analyses, merch, early releases, and bonus content. I ask that you please like, share, and subscribe, and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is case episode 7, The Disappearance of Relisha Rudd. We have a responsibility. Like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Sure, but as a mother, you possess a different kind of love for your child. One that no village can give. It is your responsibility to love, protect, and provide for your baby. This also includes ensuring that your seed is out of harm's way. There will be people that come along that may pose a threat. And then there are some that seem to have good intent. A pig dressed in red lipstick and a gold cape. But their intent is sinister. Then you have mothers and family that come from a life of struggle, 
poor judgment, and negligence. What does this leave for the child? How can a child climb out of a hole that was dug by their own mother? Then you have someone come along and shines their possessions in your face, and you become trusting. And now we're left with eight years of uncertainty, lies, and neglect. Today we're discussing the mysterious disappearance of Relisha Rudd. Relisha went missing in D.C. from the now-defunct D.C. General Family Shelter that was located at 1900 Massachusetts Avenue, Southeast, D.C. Relisha's disappearance has left the community with eight years of unanswered questions and the answers that we all want to know, but a lot of these answers have died. They died with Khalil Tatum, a well-liked and admired janitor at D.C. General. Relisha was let down by everyone in her network, from the staff at the shelter, her school, family, and most specifically, her mother, Shamika Young. We're going to offer a fresh look at the case details that we know of in 2022, introduce you to the key players in her disappearance, a failed Amber Alert, the family negligence, the search efforts, and how they came to a halt after an untimely discovery. So who was Relisha Rudd? Relisha Rudd was born on October 29, 2005, to Shamika Young and Irving Rudd in Washington, D.C. Relisha was a very social little girl. She loved taking photos, cheerleading, dancing, and going to school. Relisha is also a big sister to three boys, her little brothers. The ages of her siblings in 2014 were ages 7, 5, and 4. Relisha loved school, especially arts and crafts. She attended both Fairby Hope and Payne Elementary School. Fairby Hope is now defunct and closed its doors in 2014. Ever since she was born, in her short life prior to going missing, at only age 8, she faced an excess of adversity and pure negligence. The case details. Before we can go into the case details, I want to first introduce you to the key players in light of Relisha's disappearance, go into their backgrounds and upbringing, and some details on the shelter Relisha and her family called home for over a year. Doing this will allow me to take you behind the scenes, in a sense, to learn about the history of the individuals and the type of environment Relisha was in. That may, in part, have contributed to her uncanny disappearance, which have led to this nearly nine-year mystery today. D.C. General Family Shelter Prior to being a homeless shelter, D.C. General was once a hospital for nearly 200 years. It was founded as the Washington Infirmary in 1806 on a $2,000 grant from Congress. The Washington Infirmary was located on 6th and M Street in the Judicial Square area. However, 40 years later, in 1846, it transitioned to 1900 Massachusetts Avenue, Southeast D.C., the exact building that Relisha once lived. In 1846, the hospital, the district's one and only public hospital, was then categorized as an asylum, which was renamed to the Washington Asylum and housed the city's indigent patients. The asylum was also a workhouse for individuals who had committed minor crimes and needed employment. I also would like to mention that in the vicinity of the hospital, at the time, there was a quarantine station, disinfection plant, crematory, and a smallpox-designated hospital. 
1922, the facility was renamed the Gallinger Municipal Hospital after U.S. Senator Jacob Harold Gallinger. From there, in 1953 until its closing in 2001, it was renamed District of Columbia General Hospital. The hospital was closed in 2001 at the request of Mayor Anthony A. Williams. The closure was mainly in part due to the city trying to cut costs while recovering from bankruptcy. D.C. General Hospital primarily served low-income families, mostly African-American, and responsible for training generations of Black doctors. Due to mismanagement, the city's bankruptcy, and no longer being able to serve the city, the hospital had to suffer a closure, which displaced over 80,000 individuals who received care there. Later, in 2001, D.C. General Family Shelter was opened in the same building at 1900 Massachusetts and transitioned from a hospital to a homeless shelter that housed around 250 families in need. Out of all of the problems that went on behind those walls, the shelter is predominantly why we have this mystery. Shamika Young, Relisha's Mother Shamika Young was born on May 6, 1986, in Washington, D.C. As a child, Shamika was cared for by her maternal grandmother, Mary Young, up until age two. Melissa Young, Shamika's mother, who was Relisha's maternal grandmother, had her own issues with a powder use issue, alcohol addiction, housing, and simply just trying to make ends meet. So she took Shamika and her four siblings to a homeless shelter in Alexandria, Virginia, which is minutes outside of D.C. and Prince George's County, Maryland. Soon after, Melissa was arrested for assaulting a police officer. In 1995, she was convicted and Shamika was sent back to live with her grandmother. Literally one month before her 10th birthday, in April 1996, Shamika found herself in and out of foster homes. This is where the pattern of trauma ignited, which poured over into Relisha's childhood. Melissa's parental rights were terminated in 1998. After reviewing interviews from a previous foster parent of Shamika and details from her actual case file while she was in the foster system, we are able to go a little deeper to understand Shamika's hardship as a child. It's no secret that Shamika had a tumultuous childhood because it's on record, dating back to the 90s. She also had some behavioral and mental health issues, which resulted in numerous foster families that housed her to request to have her removed from their home. It's on file that Shamika threw tantrums, threatened to off her foster parents, fought the other children, frequent bedwetting, threatened to harm herself, run away, depression, and other violent threats. She was also so inconsolable that she was given heavy medication to calm her down. I want to also mention that she has no recollection of some of these events. Eventually, Shamika was transported to Grafton, the Winchester, Virginia location, which is an institution for children with intellectual, developmental, and complex mental health challenges. And I have a direct quote from Shamika. Quote, I felt alone. I felt like I was in a hole. End quote. At the age of 18, Shamika signed herself out of the foster care system. Then, a little over a year later, at age 19, she gave birth to Relisha Rudd, her firstborn. Shamika was in a relationship with a much older man, Irving Rudd. 
who was 16 years older than her. Shamika was 19 and Irving was 34. Though to some this may not seem like a large gap in age, but it is for a child that's been in the foster care system consistently for eight years, suffered trauma and mental illness brought on possibly by the trauma of her mother serving time, no reliable home structure since her family was homeless, and other factors that Shamika have not shared. I also would like to mention that Irving Rudd, Relisha's father, was already well acquainted with the judicial system in prison. In fall of 1992, Irving fathered a 17-month-old baby girl named Tarika. Tarika was rushed to Children's Hospital with a split lip, fractured skull, and bruises covering her body. Irving was charged with first-degree murder of his daughter in 1992, 13 years before Relisha was born. Shamika went on to have three more children, all boys. Two of her boys are fathered by her then-boyfriend, Antonio Willer. Antonio also spent time in foster care and was a father figure to Relisha, and is also another key player in this case. Together, Shamika, Antonio, and all four children were housed at D.C. General after dealing with instability in living conditions. A constant cycle of misfortune, trauma, struggle, and lack of direction. We will also go into the background of the last person Relisha was seen with later into the case analysis, Khalil Tatum. Neglect and Abuse As you can see, Shamika's traumatic upbringing carried over and mimicked her very own anarchic childhood. Social workers had investigated Shamika first in 2007 for neglect and abuse of her children. The files communicated that the neglect and abuse consisted of injuries to Relisha and one of her brothers, the children living in squalor, meaning unkept housing conditions that may have not been deemed livable, little supervision, scarce food supply, and verbal abuse. From this moment on, Shamika and Antonio had five years of housing instability. They had a housing subsidy and five different landlords filed cases for lease violations. It was also mentioned that Relisha would come to school unkept. She would show obvious signs of not having a bath. Her hair would not be done and her clothes were often dirty. This is how she would go to school. Just complete neglect for her child. Relisha's Residences and Schools Edgewood, a neighborhood in Northeast D.C. where two-year-old Relisha lived with her mother, Shamika, while in this neighborhood they first met Antonio Willer. 706 Brandywine Street, Southeast. Relisha, her family, which consisted of her mother, Shamika, stepfather, Antonio, and her brothers, all lived at this apartment near Congress Heights from 2008 to 2012. Shamika failed to pay the rent and they were evicted. Fairby Hope Elementary School. Relisha was a student at this school when she lived on Brandywine Street. It has since closed since 2014. Virginia Williams Family Resource Center. Relisha and her family spent a night at this shelter in the Brooklyn area of D.C. They called the hotline to request a stay after being evicted from their Brandywine Street apartment. Days in on New York Avenue. Relisha and her family lived in this motel from 2012 to 2013 before transitioning to D.C. General. 
This exact motel is the last location publicly known where Valicia was last seen with Khalil Tatum on Saturday, March 1st, 2014. D.C. General As stated earlier in the analysis, this is the homeless shelter that was once a hospital for nearly 200 years. Valicia and her family called this shelter home from 2013 to 2014. During the state of address in 2015, Mayor Mario Bowser announced her plan to replace D.C. General with smaller family shelter locations throughout the city of D.C. and place transitioning families into subsidized housing. D.C. General was demolished in 2018. Payne Elementary School When Relisha lived at D.C. General, she attended Payne Elementary School as a second grader near Lincoln Park area. Anacostia Neighborhood Anacostia is in the southeast D.C. area. Here is where Relisha's grandmother, Melissa, and Aunt Ashley live. Relisha and her brothers will often spend time at Ashley's apartment. Ashley's home is also where Khalil Tatum picked up Relisha on one occasion and said to be the last time she is seen by a family before Tatum picked her up. Khalil Tatum, the suspect. Khalil Malik Tatum is another key player. In fact, our strongest player, just as with Shamika. Tatum was very well-liked and trusted. His birth name is Khalil Lee Tatum. But once he went to prison, he changed his first name and middle name to Khalil Malik. He had married Andrea Kelly, and they had a daughter, Alexis Kelly. Alexis was the daughter of Andrea, and Tatum became her stepfather. They married in 1990, and Alexis was young when they got married. Tatum served lengthy sentences throughout his life. According to Alexis, his stepdaughter, he did 10 years here, 8 years there, then 2 to 3 years at one point. Tatum served time for burglary, larceny, and breaking and entering. Both Tatum and his wife had their own struggles with poverty, drug addiction, and incarceration, but seemed stronger together and seemingly loved each other very much, especially being married for two decades. Because he was in and out of prison, Andrea was said to have been on her own a lot. Andrea had a lot of friends and described by her daughter as social and always laughing. Even with his prison stints, Tatum was still admired by family, friends, and even the staff at D.C. General. His network of people knew a different side of him, one that would make his involvement and face on the news relating to Relisha seem impractical. But his actions prove otherwise and possibly a life that many, even his closest friends, may have not known about. The job that should have disqualified him. At D.C. General Family Shelter, he was often referred to as Mr. Tatum. Oh, and Godfather. That was another name he was referenced as by the small children and teen residents. Tatum was hired by Employer Community Partnership for the Prevention of Homelessness a nonprofit organization that operates the shelter under contract with the city. From there, his position was set at D.C. General. He was initially hired as a part of the kitchen staff at D.C. General, but later was transitioned to a janitorial position, which allowed him to be even closer to the children. He was extremely social with the children, which garnered their trust and the trust of their parents and guardians. Not long after, Tatum then developed a relationship with Shamika and her family. 
There was a policy that instructed parents and guardians to always accompany their children when they enter into the cafeteria for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This was, however, not always the case with Shamika. There were times, several times actually, that Relisha accompanied her younger siblings to get a meal without their mom, which was against policy. Tatum noticed this and still served them or set food aside for the children and told other staff members that their mother is in the bathroom. Now, this is the first of many policies that were broken by staff at the shelter. It's not exactly clear how Tatum got so close to Relisha and her family, and we may never know the truth to that. Soon after, Shamika considered him to be a friend of the family. Then, Shamika started referring to him as Relisha's godfather, as did several other residents. Tatum was known to perform grandiose acts of generosity to the children in the shelter. He would give gifts, money, and sometimes quarters for the gumball machine, and other times it was just oddly much more. One instance I would like to share that was an interesting encounter involving an unwelcome gift to a minor. Sharon Woods and her 11-year-old daughter, both residents at D.C. General at the time, had received a pet turtle from somewhere. Tatum then showed Woods' daughter pictures of his turtles and promised that he would bring her an old fish tank that he had. Instead, he brought her a brand new fish tank. Woods claimed that she offered him money for it, but Tatum just would not accept it. Then, he offered to bring in gravel and plants to place in the tank, but she declined. Later, Woods' daughter brought a $20 bill back to her mom that was gifted to her from Tatum. Woods had addressed him face-to-face regarding the money, and I have a quote from Sharon. Quote, I said, she's 11. She's too young to be taking that kind of money from a man, she recalled. He just looked at me and walked away. This just further communicates his generosity and, in my opinion, seemed to force his gift-giving to residents in the shelter to gain their trust and access. You have to remember that the residents at the shelter are in a tough situation, as it is because they're homeless and most of them have children and have to figure it out for themselves and their child. A staff member that comes along with this false sense of trust, security, and assurance with an ulterior motive is by far the most lowest a person can go to take advantage of one in a position, as explained. Most of the women in the shelter never had a male figure that just gave them or their children gifts in this manner, and it appears sweet, but really it has a dark underlying motive behind it. Tatum seemed to have it all. Tatum was described to be a clean-cut guy. He was always well-dressed, typically wore designer clothes, and sometimes wore a suit and tie. He also drove a burgundy SUV with the Washington Redskins sticker, and his SUV was always spotless. Tatum also had another vehicle. I want to mention that custodians are highly essential in any building. We need them. And without their help, we can't maintain proper health and sanitation standards. Many people looking back in hindsight thought it was typical for a janitor to be as smartly dressed as he was, especially for the role he had at the shelter. Could he have had another income source? You can take that how you wish. What's interesting is that his prison rap sheet and extensive stints in prison 
alone should have completely and automatically disqualified him from having any position at the shelter or any shelter. This reminds me of another case that I came across while doing research that took place at a subsidized housing senior citizen apartment building in Capitol Heights, a city in Prince George's County, Maryland. A resident who also had an extensive prison rap sheet dating back to the 1980s who murdered two female staff members due to a disagreement with a violation. This case took place just last year in October 2021. With his prison rap sheet, and we performed a full case search for all of his cases, I would think that he should have been disqualified for housing there, just as Tatum should have been disqualified for employment at the shelter. As stated, according to a Washington Post article, Dated March 23, 2014, Tatum was hired by Community Partnership for the Prevention of Homelessness, and the executive director, Sue A. Marshall, did in fact confirm that he worked for the group, but did not know when he started working at the shelter and declined to comment further about him. Who dropped the ball on Khalil Tatum in his employment? Who ratified his acceptance with employment there? Though the shelter did not directly hire him, since he was employed through the organization, I guess this is just another contributing factor as to why the shelter had been closed and demolished. Just flat out complete mismanagement and negligence, in my opinion, on every level. Months at a time. As Tatum grew closer to Relisha and her family, he was given access to her through her mother, Shamika. What I mean by this is that she was allowed to leave the premises to go places with him. Sometimes he would take her to the park to the movies, Disney on ice, shopping, and even trips to his home to play with his grandchild, and sleepovers. Yes, sleepovers. Later, on Wednesday, February 26, 2014, there was also a trip caught on surveillance video with Tatum and Relisha in a local Holiday Inn Express, which is also in close proximity to the shelter and another spotting at a day's end on New York Avenue in Northeast D.C., which is, in fact, the last known location that Relisha is seen with Tatum. Neither of these sightings were known until law enforcement got involved by way of her school, Payne Elementary, and realized that she was missing. According to Antonio, Shamika's boyfriend and stepfather to Relisha, was working a job in Pennsylvania, so he would be gone for some time and not fully kept into the loop of what was going on with Felicia, her whereabouts, and the access that her own mother gave a staff member. I want to also mention that according to Antonio, he told Tatum that he is not Relisha's godfather and to stay away from his daughter, and he instructed Shamika to keep her away from him. It's not clear why this was said to Tatum. Of course I know why it was said, but what made him say this to his face? What occurred for Antonio to say this, assuming this interaction was made before she went missing or formally reported missing? Relisha hated the shelter. It's no secret that Relisha hated the shelter. She called it a trap house, most likely referring to the poor living conditions and the environment surrounding the shelter. I mean, you can walk out of the door and see the D.C. jail across the parking lot and from the bus stop that the children would stand to go to school. Not to mention the crime that riddled the area and the patients hanging around that are being treated at the methadone clinic nearby. It was just a lot going on. 
I can only imagine the mental anguish that Relisha shared amongst the other hundreds of children in the shelter looking for a way out and depending solely on their parents and their parents' decisions. All while the parents are in a tough situation and fell on hard times and just trying to provide for themselves and their children to pick themselves up. So far, we've covered the background of the D.C. General Homeless Shelter, discussed the upbringing of Shamika and her hardships after Relisha is born the family having instability in living arrangements, and creating a visual of Khalil Tatum, our star player and lead suspect. At this point, it was not communicated that Relisha was actually missing, and the length of time Shamika had last heard from her daughter. Tatum would take Relisha and would usually bring her back, except this time, he did not. In fact, she was not reported missing until 18 days after her last sighting on Saturday, March 1st, 2014, at around 7.25 p.m. with Tatum. It was also said that Shamika saw Relisha on this day, the last time on record that she laid eyes on her. The next day, on Sunday, March 2nd, Tatum made a startling purchase. He went to Home Depot to purchase 42-gallon contractor trash bags, a shovel, and lime. On this day, he spent a significant amount of time at Kenilworth Park and Aquatic Gardens. Again, please keep in mind that Relisha is still not reported missing, nor is she known to be missing. Relisha was under the care of a Dr. Tatum. From kitchen staff, to janitor, then to doctor. Antonio went to Payne Elementary School to pick up his sons. While picking them up, he ran into the school social worker. Labone Workman. Workman is the school's social worker and homeless liaison. His role is to keep track of the students, ensure the school is meeting their needs, and to keep watch on their attendance. It was protocol that if a student misses three, five, then ten days of unexcused absences, staff is supposed to intervene. However, by this time, Relisha had already missed 30 days of school for the year but some were excused because notes were sent in, which could be the reason that it went under radar. Mind you, it's only the beginning of March at this time. This means that she missed 30 days in just a matter of only two months, January and February. Due to this, the school dropped the ball on keeping up with her attendance because action should have been taken to follow up with her mother on the reasoning for her absences and proof to prove that she was sick and under treatment. Shamika, and possibly the grandmother, sent in excuse notes that concluded that her daughter was sick and being treated for a neurological condition at the care of a Dr. Tatum, in which the notes were signed by him. I did read that Relisha have a history of headaches, so this subterfuge made sense. To my knowledge, from research, Shamika never even formally got her treated for the headaches. Tatum likely knew this and played on that as his choice of treatment, he claimed. The principal at Payne Elementary felt unsettled by everything. He felt something was strange. He instructed workmen to visit the doctor at his medical office in person to obtain documentation. School officials reportedly called the number on one of the notes that was sent in from Melissa, Relisha's grandmother, and reached Tatum, a Dr. Tatum, asking if he would fill out forms. Sources say Tatum told them to drop off the forms at the homeless shelter. On Wednesday, March 19th, 
Workman visited the shelter to seek out information to contact the Dr. Tatum. To his surprise, the staff at DC General stated that they don't know a Dr. Tatum, but they do have a janitor by that name. Workman contacted the hotline for child abuse because in that moment he knew something was wrong. Workman stated, in retrospect, that Dr. Tatum didn't sound doctorish. The family questioning. Within the same day, on March 19th, MPD, which is Metropolitan Police Department, and detectives got involved. Detectives began questioning Relish's family in the conference room at the shelter. Everyone present in the conference room included Shamika, Antonio, Melissa, and Ashley, Shamika's sister and Relish's aunt. She's at home with my wife. In the midst of everything going on, Antonio arrived in the middle of questioning. While there, Antonio wanted to go outside to smoke a cigarette. According to his accounts, police had to escort him out while he smoked, understandably. While Antonio was smoking, he recounts seeing Tatum pushing his cart that he would typically use during his shift at the shelter. Antonio approaches Tatum and asks where is his daughter. Tatum replies that she is with his wife, Andrea, at his home, and that he will go and get Relisha right now. Antonio also points out that Tatum's last words in that conversation are, I'm not trying to keep your daughter. I have my reasoning why I don't think that this conversation ever happened between Antonio and Tatum. How could it when an officer had escorted him outside to smoke? This would also mean that while the family was being interrogated, Tatum was still working and carrying on with his regular duties all while they're on site at the shelter in the conference room. I will go into this later into my analysis. Andrea Tatum found it. Later that night, still on Wednesday, March 19th, Tatum, his wife Andrea, and three other individuals checked into room 132 at the Red Roof Inn in Oxon Hill, Maryland, at around 10 p.m. I want to also mention that Relisha was not with them at this time, nor seen anywhere in the vicinity. Based on surveillance footage, after they checked in, the three other people all left the room just before midnight, leaving Andrea and Tatum in the room together. According to Alexis Kelly, the daughter of Andrea and stepdaughter to Tatum, in her interview with Jonquilin Hill from Through the Cracks, a podcast about the gaps in our society and the people who fall through them. She explained that Tatum and Andrea went to a motel that night because their heat was not working and her mother is anemic so she could not take the cold so they ended up checking into a motel. Shortly after, in the early morning on Thursday, March 20th, at around 6 a.m., one of the three individuals returned back to the motel to pick Tatum up. And this individual then drives him to Southern Avenue Metro Station in Hillcrest Heights, Maryland which is a short few seconds walk to enter into Southeast D.C. Police were still searching for Tatum. Police then searched the premises until they came across a woman with a shot to the head. The woman was Andrea, Tatum's wife. Her body was found in the bed at the Red Roof Inn Motel in Oxon Hill, Maryland, minutes outside of D.C. To offer a description, according to reports, she was in the bed, face down on her stomach, and the barrel was placed at her left ear, 
and the projectile went through her right ear. This could signify that she was asleep at the time of her demise. As far as public knowledge, it's not understood why she was shot. But then they knew it was only one person who possibly was involved. Tatum. Khalil Tatum, her husband, who was issued a warrant for the possible involvement of the demise of his wife. At this time, law enforcement went public with Felicia's disappearance. The FBI had offered a $20,000 reward for information leading to Tatum's arrest, and the Prince George's County Police Department offered an additional $25,000 reward for information leading to his arrest and indictment a pending divorce, and a large sum of currency. I want to go back a little bit before Andrea's passing. Apparently, there were some marital issues between Tatum and Andrea. Alexis Kelly, her daughter, recalls her mother discussing wanting to leave Tatum. This discussion was only weeks prior to her demise at the Red Roof Inn. At the same time, It was found out in courts that Tatum actually filed the paperwork to start the process for a divorce on February 7, 2014, a little under a month that Relisha went missing. In the divorce papers, it lists Khalil Tatum as a defendant in the complaint. He checked boxes on the legal form indicating that the separation is mutual and voluntary, that the Tatums have no marital property and that he did not want his wife to pay him any alimony or temporary financial support. On the paperwork, there was also his home address. This is the same address D.C. police officers responded to with a warrant and observed a large sum of U.S. currency on a table in plain view. Other items that were recovered during the search were two passports, multiple cell phones, $87 in cash, and children's clothes and shoes. A failed Amber Alert The Amber Alert system was started in 1996 after Amber Hagerman went missing in Arlington, Texas, and was later found deceased. In order for police to issue an Amber Alert, they need to believe that the child was abducted. Oftentimes, black children are initially classified as runaways which doesn't result in a search or any search efforts. This is unfortunate and further communicates a disproportionate effort when it comes to missing black children, teens, and adults. The first Amber Alert for Relisha was issued on Thursday, March 20th, and another on Friday, March 21st. The latter stretched further outside of the D.C. metro area. It was also failed because some people in the metro D.C. area claim that they never even received an alert for Relisha. Also to mention, it has already been 18 days that Relisha was missing with no more reported sightings. They were too late. How much can we put on law enforcement in a case like this when Shamika nor Antonio never officially reported her missing? In fact, law enforcement told her that her daughter is missing. On March 25th, D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier was questioned about the Amber Alert and why it was initially limited to only Washington, D.C. She then explained that there is an Amber Alert that went as far as Pennsylvania and South Florida. And I have a direct quote from Kathy Lanier. Quote, Relisha has not been seen by anyone since March 1st. Yet, Mr. Tatum continued to go to work and was seen in multiple locations throughout the District of Columbia, 
between March 2nd and March 20th. Relisha was not with Mr. Tatum in any of those sightings. End quote. The search continued. Vehicle found in Hyattsville. Tatum's other vehicle, a white 1976 GMC pickup truck, was found in Hyattsville, Maryland, on Friday, March 21st, by officials. Hyattsville is a 30-minute drive from where he was last seen in Oxon Hill, Maryland, at the Red Roof Inn. On the following day, Saturday, March 22nd, a candlelight vigil is held by the Homeless Children's Playtime Project in D.C. At this time, law enforcement is seemingly playing a game of cat and mouse with Tatum. Tatum, at this point, is most likely aware that he is a wanted man and with a warrant for his arrest for not only the demise of his wife in the motel, but also for Relisha's whereabouts. The reward money from the FBI for $20,000 has now increased to $25,000. This was announced on Monday, March 24th. On Wednesday, March 26th, Tatum was added to the FBI wanted list. In the listing, the FBI mentioned that Tatum may have traveled to or be in Atlanta. It's not clear why they thought he would be in Atlanta, but I guess I can only assume that whatever he was involved in, he may have had connections there, or it could just be that he has family or friends in that area. On Thursday, March 27th, a press conference is held. D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier explains that, quote, while this current operation in the aquatic gardens would be best described as a recovery operation, we have not given up hope that we may still find Relisha alive, end quote. They also communicated that it is by chance that Relisha's life may have been taken by Tatum. This is because they were tipped off about Tatum's location being in or around Kenilworth Park for an extensive amount of time. I also want you to keep in mind that the items that he purchased from Home Depot on March 2nd that I previously mentioned, those items were purchased the day after Relisha was seen with him on surveillance video. The Search of Kenilworth Park On Friday, March 28th, there were several agencies, including D.C. Police, the FBI, Montgomery County Police, Cadets, U.S. Park Police, and the National Park Service to gather Kenilworth Park for any sign of Relisha. The search went on for nearly 16 hours on the first day and continued for several days. According to officials, the search was conducted after they received a tip regarding a potential grave site within the park. Another press conference. On this same day, Friday, March 28th, D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier had mentioned that Tatum had contact with several young girls at the shelter. This is interesting because we don't know to what extent and if that contact was through conversation, gifts, which he was known to give often, trips outside of the shelter, like he did with Relisha, or something else. That statement from Chief Lanier is very vague, but I believe it directly correlates just to the type of predatorial person Tatum was and what he wanted. While still being the same day, on March 28th, the hotel room that Relisha was last seen with Tatum in was searched, room 245 at the Days Inn on New York Avenue in D.C. Tatum found dead. On Tuesday, April 1st, 2014, 
As officials and the search teams continued to scour the park for any evidence, they came across a grisly discovery. Khalil Tatum was found in a shed at the park with a self-inflicted shot to the head. The same firearm and ammunition used on himself was identical to the same used on Andrea, his wife. It is believed that Tatum's body may have been there for 36 hours. I believe this is interesting because that would mean he may have took his life right before the search at the park, possibly just hours prior. On Wednesday, April 2nd, 2014, the search efforts for a militia or clues at the Kenilworth and Aquatic Gardens concludes. Charges on Shamika Young Sometime in April 2014, the same month when Tatum's body was found, a grand jury held a roundtable discussion to press charges against Shamika due to obstruction of justice. There were claims that stated Shamika assisted Tatum with him posing as Relisha's doctor and assuring that she is safe even after three weeks after her being reported missing. Saturday, March 1st, was said to be the last time Shamika saw her daughter. She never reported her missing out of fear that her other children would get taken away since she already has a case file with negligence and abuse inflicted on her children. Remember, she and her family... Shamika's mother and sister were informed by law enforcement that Relisha is actually missing. A man in question that may be involved. On Friday, April 4th, there was a short surveillance video clip that shown footage of a man who they believe may have answers to the whereabouts of Relisha. Officials plead with the public to identify the man. However, he was actually identified and ruled out by officials. It is not clear why this man was shown to may have been involved or have information, but he was cooperative and ruled out. Search efforts vastly slowed down after finding Tatum's body. Still, no sign of Relisha, even still today in 2022. I don't believe that they're anywhere closer to solving Relisha's disappearance than they were in 2014. Shamika loses custody of her three boys. Almost exactly one year after Relisha was formally reported missing, in March 2015, a judge rules that Relisha's three brothers, now aged 8, 6, and 5, will not be returned to the custody of their mother, Shamika Young, and that all three boys will remain in foster care. The judge voiced mental health concerns for Shamika Young, Antonio Willer, which is Relisha's stepfather, and her father, Irving Rudd, I did state in my analysis earlier, but Rudd was charged and convicted for the demise of his child in 1992. So let's get into the facts about the case. And we have a lot. Fact 1. We know that Shamika had a tumultuous childhood that resulted into her being in foster care for nearly all of her adolescent years from age 9 to 18. At age 18, that is when she signed herself out of foster care. During her time in foster care, it was revealed that she had some mental health issues. These reports are in her case file from childhood. Fact 2. Once she signed herself out of foster care, she got pregnant by a man who was 34, and she was 19. She gave birth to Relisha and struggled financially with extreme living instability. Fact 3. Child services were called on her from neglect and abuse with the children living in unkept conditions, little supervision, scarce food, and physical abuse. 
back for. Tatum was a convicted felon who served around 20 years, and possibly more, collectively, with crimes such as larceny, breaking and entering, and robbery. Fact 5. Tatum should have been disqualified from employment through the organization and D.C. General Shelter, largely due to his prison rap sheet and convictions. Fact 6. Khalil Malik Tatum is not his birth name. His name is Carl Lee Tatum. He changed his name while in prison. Fact 7. Several rules were broken and disregarded at the shelter, with one largely being the no-fraternizing policy. He was referred to as Godfather. The children will refer to him as such. Fact 8. Tatum would come to work well-dressed and sometimes with a suit and tie as the janitor. Fact 9. Tatum was known to give gifts and monetary gifts to the girls at the shelter. One mother reported that she had to approach him about her 11-year-old daughter being too young to accept cash like that from a grown man. He looked at the mother and oddly just walked off. Fact 10. Relisha would spend days away from her mother with Tatum, including trips to the park, shopping, and sleepovers. She handed her over. We don't know the agreement that they shared. Fact 11. Relisha missed several days of school, which is what sparked concern for her whereabouts. This soon discovered that she was being treated for a neurological concern by Dr. Tatum. But it was really Khalil Tatum, the janitor at the D.C. General. Fact 12. Shamika allowed Tatum to access Relisha and to take her places. There seemed to be no concern or care on her daughter's whereabouts. In fact, she was told by law enforcement that her daughter was missing. Fact 13. Andrea Tatum may have held information on Relisha's disappearance. She was a key witness, but Tatum took her life, and that information she had was taken with her. Fact 14. Relisha was last seen on surveillance footage at a hotel on March 1st. Fact 15. Tatum purchased contractor bags, a shovel, and lye or lime. Lime is used to help deteriorate a body at a much faster rate. Fact 16. Before Relisha is formally reported missing in March 2014, both Shamika and Antonio were seen on his Facebook account posting and boasting with a large stack of money, a new cell phone, and expensive shoes. This creates a rumor mill that Relisha may have been sold. Then, Melissa, Relisha's grandmother, comes forward to refute that rumor and that the money is the result from a social security disability check and a tax refund. There was also $4,000 that Shamika received from an insurance settlement relating to a car accident. And lastly, fact 17. According to Chief Kathy Lanier, Tatum was seen at work in other places between March 2nd and March 20th. My closing thoughts. I want to address some of the elements that I mentioned in the case. When Antonio went outside to smoke and was escorted out by a police officer or officers, this would mean that they were accompanying him outside of the shelter. Understandably, because if he was involved, that would have given him opportunity to run or destroy evidence. 
Antonio says that he had a heated exchange with Tatum during that moment on his ship and said that Tatum said he will bring his daughter back. I'm unsure what to believe on this exchange. I'm not sure if Antonio had made this up or this happened another day and he has it convoluted. If this exchange did happen, law enforcement would have apprehended Tatum. I have not seen this exchange anywhere in the files and reports that I've referenced. After scouring hundreds of comments from commentators on news interviews, reports, and any press relating to Relisha, I noticed that there were several people that wanted to know if Relisha made it out of the room that she was seen on surveillance video with Tatum. Yes, she did make it out of the room. It's just that the footage was not released to the public and kept close to the investigation. The hotel footage that I'm referencing was the one that was publicly released that shown her walking in the hall at the Holiday Inn Express on 1917 Bladensburg Road Northeast and was from February 26, 2014. Relisha was seen again for the last time at the Days Inn on Saturday, March 1st. This means that she did in fact leave out of the hotel room, but it is not made public on if anyone else entered that room while she was present. What was her condition, her appearance, how many days they spent at the Holiday Inn Express, if she left out alone or with someone, or Tatum, any activity that went on, or if someone was already present in the room prior to Relisha and Tatum entering and exiting. No matter how you turn it, Andrea was a key witness to all of this. It is not publicly known exactly how much she knew or what she knew, but it is odd that she had talks about leaving Tatum, and he actually filed the divorce paperwork on February 7, 2014. You know, I wonder what events led to this decision. Andrea claimed to family that it was domestic, but she never filed anything. Tatum is the one who filed. I also don't know why he decided to take her life. My only thought is that she knew too much or found something out. This lets me know that there were issues that many people did not know about. They saw an entirely different angle of Khalil Tatum and his wife. I believe there were a lot of things going on. Marital issues and issues relating to Relisha. What I'm saying is, they had some secrets. We just don't know all of what those secrets are and what became of them today. Another key element that Alexis Kelly shared is that Tatum had a talk with his wife about purchasing a firearm. Andrea kind of laughed it off because he's a convict and cannot purchase a firearm due to his criminal history. It automatically disqualifies him to purchase a firearm or register one legally in D.C. Alexis believes that him asking his wife was just him mentioning it to her because he already had went and obtained the firearm illegally. Andrea did not like firearms and was scared of them, so there were none in the house that she was aware of. However, it was Tatum's illegally obtained firearm that claimed the lives of her and her husband. This case could have been solved, but due to the loss of time, Relisha being reported missing or even known to be missing, there was precious time lost. With surveillance sightings, her whereabouts being back and forth between the shelter and janitor, and only Tatum and those involved nowhere else. And the close relationship with Shamika, with her giving 51-year-old Tatum access to her daughter. 
How did anyone not find this odd that an eight-year-old child was hanging around an older man, possibly his wife, and missing school? What made Relisha his chosen one to take out of the parameters of the shelter and be so trusting? No one thought him taking this little girl and spending a large amount of time with her out of place or other potential dangers? What was more important that Relisha had to be with him or at his home or wherever and miss school? Shamika did the worst thing a mother can do, and that's give a stranger access to your child. Tatum did not have to abduct her because he was given access. She was handed to him. I have no idea in exchange for what or why Shamika was so trusting. I would like to know the agreement between the family and Tatum. He gave gifts, and kids love gifts, and this alone will allow a child to feel safe with you. This is not the fault of the child, but the fault of the negligent parent and those that are put in place to ensure that nothing like this can happen. I have not discovered this in my research, but I would like to know Tatum's work schedule that he had. He seemed to be well-connected. He was checking in hotels during the week, taking Relisha with him places, all while still coming to work as if nothing is happening. I would like to know who was watching Relisha during the time she was supposed to be in school and while he was at work. I just can't wrap my mind around her just blatantly not attending school. Again, I've already mentioned there had to be some involvement of some sort that caused them to make her miss school by 30 days. I can't prove it, but I'm sure Relisha was just not sitting at someone's home watching cartoons and eating Fruit Loop cereal. It just doesn't feel likely. We also can't forget that Tatum made an interesting purchase at a local Home Depot. The purchase has earmarks of items used to bury a body or something that he doesn't want to be found. According to Chief Kathy Lanier, Tatum spent a significant amount of time at Kenilworth Park. It's not publicly stated how law enforcement determined this, but we can assume that it's due to cell phone signals. He also grew up in the area and lived there about 30 years ago, so he was pretty familiar with the park. After this, from March 2nd through the 20th, Tatum was still attending work as normal. I understand that not having the basic needs to carry on day-to-day can put you in a vulnerable position. This puts adults or even teens in positions where they feel they need to do anything for those basic necessities, like food, shelter, and that sense of security. Natalie Wilson, co-founder at the Black and Missing Foundation, said there are pedos that hang out near the shelter. Individuals are exploiting themselves and children. Do we blame the system, or the individual, or both? Parents and guardians have a responsibility to uphold when it comes to their children. As a leader, they have to make the decisions that are in favor of the safety and security of their child and to provide them with the basic needs. And we know that just does not happen all the time. It's not law enforcement's responsibility as the first step. It's the parents to ensure of their safety. Relisha was failed. I wasn't going to, but I know I have to bring it up. Though it doesn't tell me much, but the family, Shamika, Antonio, and her mother, Melissa, all went to the Steve Wilco show in October 2017. It's not clear when the episode was filmed, but it aired in October 2017. 
Melissa and Antonio both took polygraph tests, and they passed it based on the questions asked. However, Shamika refused the test. It was her choice to take the test or not. In D.C., polygraph tests are inadmissible in court if agreed upon. However, this does tell me something. It says that Shamika refused the test. Why? She felt she did not need to take it to prove her innocence. The Steve Wilkos Show covers real cases and is also for mere entertainment. But it is interesting that this was done with Relish's case still being an open investigation. In all honesty, her doing the show made her look worse. It was no reason to do the show because it did not work in her benefit. And I could only believe that that was her goal. Truthfully, looking at the facts, it may not work in her benefit because there isn't anything to work. I would rather her communicate with law enforcement instead, anyway. Could this prove Shamika was involved? No. Is she obligated to take a polygraph test because it will clear her name in the court of public opinion? No. Could it mean she is holding information that can share what happened to and or will lead to Relisha? Possibly, yes. There are people that have communicated that perhaps Shamika was taken advantage of. I did think of this. It has crossed my mind. And it still does. I do believe to some extent she was taken advantage of because Tatum is the type of guy who will shower you with gifts and use that as a strategic way of making you accept him and with access. And if not, you would be crazy since he was giving you gifts and money. Basically help provide for you and your child. It was a power trip he was on. I do believe she and her family were preyed on, but to what extent? Shamika and her family allowed her daughter to be with Tatum on countless occasions. I can't confirm whether or not there was an agreement or arrangement made. It seemed for certain that Shamika felt her daughter was safe. She knew Relisha was missing school and helped push the perception that she was being treated by quote-unquote Dr. Tatum. What required Relisha to miss school for several days? several weeks at a time, and why help the person who has your child to lie about her whereabouts for school? This alone makes me believe that Shamika knew what was going on with Relisha while with Tatum, since it was stated that she supported the claim that he was her doctor and provided the notes that were signed by a Dr. Tatum. This in turn means that she was very well aware of what was going on. Residents later looked back on their past interactions with him and wondered if they could have missed something. We have a man that was hiding in plain sight, with a child that was not his, but possibly used for his self-gain. In what way? We don't know. Even a neighbor, Maurice Jackson, recounted a time when he saw a little girl that was with Tatum and his wife that he'd never seen before, and Tatum said that it was his niece. We can't confirm if it was actually his niece, another child, or Relisha. Tatum was known to put on a front of a lifetime, since some claimed that they had no idea this went on, and he had this sinister side. Like I stated earlier, he was very well put together, had a nice car, and would shower the children with gifts. I believe him ensuring that he was polished is to be looked at as a leader or hold some level of dominance. Think about it. 
Why get dressed up in a suit and tie when your role is mainly physical? Specifically, cleaning bathrooms, halls, kitchens, and other areas of the building. This was his strategic way to stand out, appear like he has it, and to make people attracted to him strictly from his appearance and what he did for others, like a savior. It's a tactic of control with the use of gifts and money. I hope you can understand my angle on this ideology. Then, for law enforcement to find a large sum of U.S. currency at him and Andrea's home, this sounds like there was an additional stream of income coming from somewhere. There's also no mention if Andrea worked. I know you're wondering if I believe Relisha is still here with us. I don't have an opinion on that because I don't believe every detail was communicated from Shamika and the family. I choose not to give my opinion on this because the case is still open. Cold, but open. If you look at the facts that we presented based on interviews and press conferences from the D.C. police chief, you look at the circumstance, the negligence from her mother, Relisha being in the company of an older man with Shamika's permission, the sleepovers, Relisha constantly missing school, Tatum's convictions, his indirect manipulation tactics and power trip in the shelter, Relisha seen in and out of hotels with Tatum, the large sum of money found at the Tatum's home on N Street in Southeast, the purchase made from Home Depot, the extent of time spent at Kenilworth Park, his wife's life being taken, and finally, with Tatum taking his own life. What does that tell you? I will let you create your own ending. Regardless, we still need to find answers on what happened to Relisha. I do believe there is a possibility she is out there. I can say that I don't believe she left the D.C. Maryland area. At the time of her disappearance, Relisha was eight years old, stood at four feet, and weighed between 70 to 80 pounds. Relisha is African-American with a medium complexion with brown eyes. Relisha was known to wear pink boots and a purple Helly Henson brand winter jacket. Today, Relisha would be 17. Tatum was 51 at the time of his demise. Shamika was 27 then and is 36 today. If you have any information or leads on the disappearance of Relisha Rudd, they should be directed to the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI, the Metropolitan Police Department at 202-727-9099. You can also text your tip to the text tip line at 50411. There is still currently a cash reward for the case of Relisha Rudd. I want to thank you for your viewership of Relisha's case. I ask you to please share so we can all help bring Relisha home. Those that love Relisha are still in search for her. The D.C. community, so many people around the world, and so are we. And looking for any answers on what happened between February 26, March 1st, up until April 1st, 2014. This will help trace the exact footsteps and people that may have been in connection or in the company of Tatum or Relisha. Like I say with every case, until people start talking, 
sharing what truly happened to Relisha and the exchange between Shamika and Tatum and others who are involved. This case will remain open, unsolved, and very cold. Please be safe. Be mindful of your surroundings. Protect your children. And like always, may God bless and keep you all. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. I might not be showing signs that I'm hurt, but yes, indeedy, I'm hurt deep down inside. Nobody ain't going to be able to feel that, and nobody ain't going to be able to put their feet in it, in my shoes. Even if they did have a daughter and they lost daughter, ain't nobody going to be able to feel the pain that I'm feeling right now. You know, it's things that the public don't know. For instance, one, my mother told me that this man told her that if anything happened to him and his wife today or tomorrow, my daughter would be set. What does that mean? I don't believe he did anything to my child. Not until I see some proof. Can I ask you a question? How old are you now? Eight. Can you smile and say, all kids need a place to play? All kids need a place to play. That's wonderful. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.